Hello and welcome to the Small Business Whole Health Podcast. I'm Jill and I'm here with my podcasting partner, Daniel. Hello, Jill, and hello, listeners. Hello, listeners. And today is part two, part two of our um, Dr. Jordan Peterson's review of his 12 Rules of Life book. We've run rule seven to 12 now. I have read them. You'll be pleased to know. <laughs> I did read the book a long time ago, and so I've been skim reading back to refresh my memory. But we think there's some good ones in this one, don't we? Yeah, hopefully people listen to the first part, to rules one to six. Mm-hmm. And rule seven to 12 are very much in the in the same vein. It's, it's very deep, but there's some real gems of wisdom in mm. there. So we were just talking off air about how Dr. Jordan Peterson, he tells it very straight. He doesn't mince his words around topics and equalities. And his aspect on life is that it's not fair, is it? But there are some things you can do, try and make it as enjoy- enjoyable and as meaningful as possible. So if people do have to listen to these two episodes, if you do decide to get the book and give it a read, it's, um, there can be some heavy stuff in there, but some of the stuff you get into, you do you know when you read a book and you kind of put it down? I find it in parts, it's very much like that because he's he knows his stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he talks a lot about the Bible and religion and he gets really deep, doesn't he, about it. And you think, where's this going? And then suddenly it makes sense what he's talking about. Yeah, he's good at joining the dots from like biblical stories and traditions of the day and where they come from and things like that. See, so I know nothing about the Bible. I've never been versed in anything like that, but you hear names and stories and situations and myths and then he kind of sheds light on the way they come from or what they mean today so if we say the word it talks about the bible or religion a lot don't let that put you off because you know i'm about as daft as they come when it comes to you know religion i know nothing but even i can like understand what he's talking about yeah and it's also good to know like how these things, you know, like how it's symbolic sometimes. Um, yeah, yeah. That the Bible stories are all sim- symbolic of something. So it's, I find it quite interesting to read about the symbolism around it because then that's what comes into psychology, isn't it? And all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, and, and when we say like biblical times and stuff, it's not even that long ago, really. <laughs> it's like it's only a couple of thousand years old stories. It's not... That's in the in the grand scale of humanity. These are still new aspects and new stories yeah. and ways of living when you think about it like that. So, um, yeah, it's really good. So should we jump into Real 7 then? Right, so Real 7. We like this one, don't we? We were just saying off air, this is one of our favourites. Um, pursue what is meaningful, not what is expedient. So I'm going to be honest. I had to Google what expedient meant, not expedient. <laughs> expedient, <laughs> yes. Yeah, and it means convenient but immoral so an even easier way of saying that we're pretty much the summary of the chapter for what i took from anyway would be to put purpose over pleasure so try and delay that short-term gratification and pursue a life worth of meaning pursue what is meaningful not what is expedient and again expedient meaning something in the short term which is convenient but it's it's it can be often selfish it can go against your values and your morals. It's kind of like making a quick book or selling, like, I don't know, say a secondhand car salesman, selling the car and making a bit of money, but he knows that car's going to break down. That goes against morals, values, but it's convenient. But if we live our life where we have a little bit more value and we put purpose over pleasure, then it kind of makes it a bit more worthwhile. And we often talk about going after your mission, following your dream. That often requires like sacrifice and giving up short-term pleasures. 
um, like you running a business, you give up lots of short-term pleasures, especially the time and effort and stuff to get the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. requires a lot of sacrifice, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I took from this. It's like the whole check thing, the start with number one, one love, The what is your one love in life and go after that rather than, you know, getting distracted about with everyday life because that's what's going to happen, isn't it? You know, I teach this all the time to people who want to get healthy and people say, oh, I haven't got time to do this. I haven't got time to eat healthy. I haven't got time to exercise. It's all a load of tosh because mm. it's not that you haven't got time. It's just not that it's not your priority right now. And, and that's fine, but just admit it to yourself. And that's what he's talking about. Like actually pay attention to what you're not doing and is it or what you are doing as well? And is it taken away from your dream or is it adding to your dream? Yeah, exactly. And like you said, if you if people are not willing to, to eat healthy or they say, I don't have time to exercise, well, they're just not sacrificing something. They're putting other things in terms yeah. of that long-term goal or a, a, like a meaningful life, what's meaningful to them. A lot of it come down, comes down to discipline. Discipline equals freedom, which is... Um, one of my favorite sayings if, if the more you discipline the more freedom you're going to have in the future uh, dr jordan peterson talks about um again he goes back to people like good biblical stories he talks about how mankind was exiled from paradise by god after eating from the you know the apple from the forbidden tree mm. um but then humanity learned that god's favor could be regained and as jordan peterson put it and his wrath could be averted through proper sacrifice so mankind learned that through sacrifice, i.e. Mm-hmm. worship and prayer and hard work, that God would let them back into heaven. So that's kind of where it comes from. Short-term, um, delay that short-term gratification for that long-term fulfillment, i.e. worship God, and he'd let you into heaven. So that's kind of a, the analogy there, isn't Which it? Which is what the whole basis of the Catholic Church is based on, isn't it? Sacrifice. Sacrifice yeah. everything to the Catholic Church. Yeah, and money we'll, as well. Then we'll let you into heaven, yeah. And they'll let you into heaven. That's what they used to do back in the day. What is in Chaucer in the Canterbury Tales? They've got the pardoner, the pardoner's tale. And basically, he's just going around the country. He's a bit of a con artist, really, with bits of bones that he's found on, on the side of the road and saying they're like Jesus' toe or something like that. And he <laughs> says, Buy this and you'll be pardoned. And that's what they used to do. They just say, You'll be pardoned for your sins. And then, you know, he was making a swift book, but people were paying him, thinking they were getting pardoned for something they did wrong. There's a, a, another quote which you would say kind of sums it up. It's that short term pain, but long term gain. The flip side of the coin is that long term gain is not 100% guaranteed, is it? We just hope that that long-term fulfillment is going to happen, and normally it does. But things can happen. Um, for instance, if you're young and you save a lot of your money into um, pension pots and things, and you you suffer that short-term uh, not being able to buy nice things, and you're saving it for the future, and then governments or corporations, mm. um, for lack of a better word, fuck you over <laughs> and you lose it all, then you think, well, all that short-term sacrifice and the long-term gain, that's again what Jordan Peterson talks about, life is unfair no one's no one writes down that life is going to be fair and just for everyone so that's also the flip side to the coin as well which is why a lot of people struggle with that giving up the short-term pleasure for the long-term fulfillment because it's not actually guaranteed is it yeah it's like what billy Connolly said when they were asking him to give up smoking and they were saying like you'll get another three four years on the on the end of your life and he was like i don't want three or four years on the end of my life when i'm sitting in a care home i want now (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's, there's always two sides to the argument, isn't there? But I think it definitely strikes a chord in most people. You know that discipline and sacrifice, they do lead to that. Again, it's that short-term pleasure. It's like, a um, what's that? As I say, and I've said before, happiness um, does not flash, it glows. So instead mm. of going for these short-term highs all the time, they're often followed by a pretty big low. If we just try and just have a steady state of fulfillment instead, we'll realize that all those short-term highs, they aren't actually fulfillment or pleasure. They're just short-term, again, like flashes of happiness. Mm-hmm. But that's not the same as being proud and living a meaningful life. That's That should be the purpose. Dopamine um, hits. Yeah, yeah, dopamine hits, yeah. So we did an episode on the dopamine detox. You'll probably realize if you did a dopamine detox, how meaningless a lot of those little spikes are all the time. And often mm-hmm. you feel worse for doing it. You never, you never really feel good of you know, eating a crap meal. You might feel good at the time, but an hour later you feel terrible. Or drinking, you get a hangover. Normally when you come off a social media binge, you don't feel good about yourself. So all the evidence is there, isn't it? It's all there. What I was really interested in is um, how he hypothesizes that, um, well, not him, Carl Jung hypothesized that um, the current science obsession that we have with trust in the science was actually a direct um, rebel, not rebellion, but kind of a, um, in, in response to the Catholic Church being um, so spiritual and you've got to do everything for your later good rather than focusing on the material world, which is um, what, what we mostly focus on nowadays, isn't it? It's all yeah. material mm. and trust the science. And it was people like um, Isaac Newton and stuff who started to actually like look at what was in the here and now rather than where heaven was in some mythical place. Yeah, exactly. Again, two sides to the coin, isn't it? So, mm, um, the yin and the yang. Yeah, exactly. And it's science and religion. Yeah, that's absolutely. And again, Jordan Peterson talks about that type of thing. Like there's like the religious spiritual side is that it's still a bit of a question mark, but intuitively we we all kind of know that the problem is the problem is like a better life waiting for us if we live an expedient life, a meaningful if we live a meaningful life. So it talks like it goes into things like archetypes and human nature. These are things which seem to be inbuilt in us. I liked his analogy, well, his story about, um, he spoke about like where, again, these human traits come from long before biblical stories and stuff. And he said, um, it's about like sharing. So we must, we must learn to keep something for later or to share it with someone else. And then he puts sharing it with someone else, which is actually the, the future is a sharing it with yourself. So keeping something for yourself for later, it's just like sharing it with yourself. If you yeah. keep it for later. And then he talks about woolly mammoths. So like imagine if <laughs> back in the day, yeah, because he likes animals in the animal kingdom, doesn't he? Yeah. Imagine if you, your tribe killed a woolly mammoth. You could eat all of the woolly mammoth now because you might not know when the next kill is going to be as a survival mechanism. It's probably good to eat all you can. Like a wolf pack, will, even to this day, will still do that. They'll, mm. they'll eat it all. I mean, a pack of lions will clean the carcass because they don't know when the next meal is going to be. But as humans, you could eat it all or you could figure out a way to save some for later. So then you, you might not go hungry for as long. So mm-hmm. a little bit of sacrifice now and you could eat some of it later. Or even better, you could share it with another tribe. And what that does is it builds your trust in your social reputation, thus increasing the likelihood that they will share the, their mammoth with you and they kill it and you don't have any food. So again, it's like that short-term sacrifice, but builds your trust in your status, which is going to prolong which is as it gives you an increased chance of prolonging your life. If everyone else likes you in the tribe, 
and you're yeah. sharing and they're going to share. Like it's, it's interesting how these human social dynamics evolved. Um, and that's how we different from animals, I think. Yeah. The law of reciprocation. Mm, very fancy term. Good. It, well, yeah, I know I just, I just plucked that out, but I think <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got some good things to say, some good quotes, which I really like. Well, I find it. It talks about meaning a lot. What, it, what does it mean to have meaning? Meaning is something that comes upon you of its own accord. You can set up the preconditions. You can follow meaning when it manifests itself, but you cannot simply produce it as an act of will. Meaning signifies that you're in the right place at the right time, properly balanced between order and chaos and where everything lines up as the best it can be in that moment. Mm. Mm. I like that. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? And it's kind of like it's sorry, we were talking, um, we were talking off air and you give a good analogy about how you tend to get along with people or kind of find people in groups and niches who resonate on the same frequency as you. Yeah. And then um, I'll let you say it about the, the, the violin chords. Okay. Yeah. So if this was not me who said it, it was uh, Jamie Cato, who's got a really good book and we're going to try and get him on our podcast as well. And he was saying that if you have two violins in a room and you play notes on one violin, the other violin that isn't being used will resonate at the same frequency and vibrate at the same frequency. So whenever you're in a room with someone who is vibrating at a frequency, we're kind of similar. We'll vibrate on that frequency too. Yeah. I love that analogy. And where it comes back to rule number seven, pursue a life that is meaningful. We'll all have different meanings in our life, like topics and interests and people and our paths in life aren't the same. And you kind of force yourself to go down a path where it, that doesn't feel meaningful to you, but someone else mm. has told you to do it. That that mm-hmm. doesn't work. So we're, we're all, there's different, uh, like you said, the, the violin strings, there'll be, it could be a hundred violin strings playing, as an analogy in the room and only you can only hear one you're resonating on that frequency so you need to figure out what that is figure out your meaning and mm-hmm. then pursue that wholeheartedly and that will be a meaningful life so it's a good idea especially when you're young to spend a bit of time and figure out what your meaning is you can't force yourself or your soul or your conscience to like something which just doesn't feel right we all have those innate things where we just get drawn to it so you, you have to figure that out first and then go for it i've got another quote Meaning is when everything there is comes together in an ecstatic dance of single purpose, the glorification of a reality so that no matter how good it has suddenly become, it can get better and better and better and more and more deeply forever into the future. Absolutely. And a good sign that you've, you've found meaning and especially when you're doing like, and you have to, you still have to work on these things as well. It doesn't just happen overnight is when you get into those flow states where time just passes you by, you might be researching something for six hours and, you don't even know where the time's going. You yeah. haven't eaten, you haven't having anything to drink. You find yourself in those flow states and you can't stop thinking about it. That's when you've, you've struck upon your meaning. Yeah. So I find your meaning, guys. Cool. We got a little quite deep on that one, didn't we? Yeah, we spent a while on that one. Let's yeah. do number eight. Okay. Tell the truth or at least don't lie. Mm, this one, I didn't know what, when I first read the title, I didn't know what he was going to talk about on this because it, it seems so <laughs> simple, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. the conclusion, right, in a to try and make it quite short, is um, what I got from it. It's have those uncomfortable conversations sometimes. And a good quote by Jordan Peterson, um, which I thought worked well for this. It's not in the book, but I've got it from, from somewhere else. He says, when you have something to say, silence is a lie. And I was like, mm, mm. 
That's good, isn't it? Mm. Um, so what I was gonna say is this the one where he starts talking about paranoia, paranoid people and um people who have got schizophrenia. Yeah, and yeah, the if, mentally ill. If you lie to them, they've got really good lie detectors. Um, because he is a psychiatrist, isn't he? And um he said that the one thing that you don't do to anybody who's suffering from paranoia is because they've got a re they've got hypervigilant nervous systems and they're really good at picking up lies through micro movements in your face and um, they can just tell through your body language when you're not paying proper attention or um, when you're lying to, to them. So I thought that was really interesting, like how if you are telling a lie that you, your body will tell, like will be sending out signals of something else that certain people can pick up or Absolutely. most people can pick up actually, can't they? Yeah, it's interesting because just yesterday I was listening to Paul Check's latest podcast mm. and he has like an ex-military guy on and they were speaking about a whole host of different topics. But for one reason or another, they got onto the topic of, I think Paul said in the past he'd worked with the guy who originally invented the lie detector, the polygraph test, and Paul did some work with him. I don't know why, but, you know, it's Paul. He's done, <laughs> it's just the life he leads. Yeah. And, uh, they'd, they'd said, I think... That together with the Heart Math Institute had figured out that the um had people covered it monitors like a polygraph, the Heart Math Institute, and all that type of stuff. And they'd showed they'd had a participant and they'd show them like a screen with different images coming up constantly of, of mixed categories. Like one would be like a family in love, and then another one would be like uh someone getting tortured in war, and there was like to trigger different emotions. Mm-hmm. And they figured out at the end of all these tests that the heart could pick up what image and what emotion was going to come next six seconds in advance of the image actually coming up on the screen. Really? So we have these, we would call them the biological oscillators, like the heart, the brain, and the gut. Yeah. Like intuition, that sixth sense, it is so powerful. And you were speaking about people lying there. Obviously, it's a very heightened sense for people with schizophrenia and things like that, but all humans have that innate um, feeling that when someone's lying to us, we know, and we Mm -hmm. definitely know when we're lying to ourselves because your energy just drops and you don't live a good life. Kind of a little bit what we were speaking about in chapter seven as well, like find meaning as well. It's the, I like the the ladder analogy. Before you start climbing the ladder, make sure it's on the right wall. Again, be truthful with yourself. Do Mm -hmm. you really want to do this? Have an uncomfortable conversation with yourself, with a partner, with your family, because that will hold you back ultimately. Um, Also, it's not just like having conversations with people. It's like, what are ideologies and political parties and things that don't resonate with you in some way? I mean, it's very um, pertinent at the moment, isn't it? And he's saying, like, you should be thinking for yourself, not taking on other people's opinions and making them the truth. You should see the truth as the truth is and tell the truth as the truth is. So it's not like, um, so it's like speaking your truth in terms of not just to a partner, but to the world and being that person that that does that. So um, I just got a little quote for you. The truth will not come in the guise of opinions shared by others as the truth is neither a collection of slogans nor an ideology. It will instead be personal. Your truth is something only you can tell based as it is on the unique circumstances of your life. Exactly. We're all different, aren't we? So what's mm-hmm. true for me not, might not be true for you. Exactly. 
And even something as simple as like um, things like diet, me, you and Jordan Peterson, we're very carnivorous, carnivorous people, mm. okay, especially JP. <laughs> so that's, that's true for, for us. We eat meat, we feel better. Someone else might do absolutely amazing on a vegan diet. That's their truth. Yeah. But you can't force your truth on someone else because it, it's, it's not going to work for them. So you have to be honest with yourself and understand that other people have different truths as well. Yeah, true. Oh, I've been trolled by a vegan. Ooh. Just as a side note. He's a, he's a challenge that you need to overcome. <laughs> just, just strengthen you. Well, I shared our, our butcher, right? He, he put a competition on. It was like win a load of sticks and like really nice sticks. And I shared it, right? And some guy, I didn't even know who he is. I don't even know how he's seen it. Um, has put on like the post of from the butcher where I shared it and you had to write like done kind of thing too. Yeah. And I'm good friends with the butcher. I'm going to talk to him actually. And uh, this guy, I think he's from America. He wrote this big like long thing saying how it's like, how could you share something like this? It's really disappointing. And do you prefer life or taste? I was going to write back saying taste. taste. <laughs> yeah. I just thought like, I don't troll vegans saying, oh my God, there's a cow that you need to eat. Like, you know, so I haven't responded yet. I'm going above it. I'm resonating love right now. So <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I don't know like all the ins and outs of everything because it's so it's such a convoluted topic. But I'm sure there's some pretty well uh, well documented research that a lot of these current trending vegan products actually kill more wildlife than like sustainable organic farming, like a cow. Really? Yeah, yeah. Things like make like almond milk and um, all these stuff. That's that's palm going oil out. takes up a and lot of palm oil. It's land, uh, yeah. It's the land that they have to destroy and the insects because, like, again, why do why do vegans give more meaning to um, things like cows and and you know chickens and pigs over insects? The amount of insects they kill when the and microorganisms that they kill when yeah. they're pulling plants out of the ground and eating them. You put more meaning on one form of life compared to the other. That's there's a hip, hypocrisy there, isn't there? Yeah, it's just about balance, yeah. isn't it? And balancing the ecosystem out and. Um, yeah, interesting though. Like it's all the ideologies that I don't like around the whole thing as well. And they were saying like a lot of vegan products are actually really bad for you. They're really unhealthy. They're really highly processed. No, oh, um, full of chemicals. Look at, look at um, the ingredients in some of these Beyond Meat burgers and stuff. That's like a, it's like a kitchen cleaning product or something. I don't even know. I can't even oh, pronounce. God, I wouldn't eat any of that. Like, and now yeah. butcher buys locally sourced. Cow, I could I'm probably looking at a cow in the field now that would the butcher would do, and they're all you know have lovely lives in the fields. Well, rise above it. Maybe that the person who trolled you, they've got good intentions. Yeah, but... I'm sure they've got good intentions, but they don't need to inflict their good intentions on to me. <laughs> <laughs> right, should we move on to rule number nine? Number nine. Assume that the person you are listening to might know something you don't. I actually like this rule because how many people do you talk to? I see this. One of my friends is really annoying for this. You'll be talking to him and he just doesn't even listen to what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, they're just waiting to speak. They're just waiting yeah. to speak. Uh-huh. And they're just yeah. like, ask a question and then you start answering. And then they're like, ask another question. I'm like, I'm not finished answering this question yet. Mm. I think the, this has never been experienced more than the pandemic and the in the division of like, oh my goodness, in the the vaccines and no vaccines or lockdowns or no oh, lockdowns, yeah, yeah, masks yeah. or not, people are so entrenched in their way of thinking. Me included, I suppose. Yeah, we're that, all there. That if you you get because it's been such a global big deal that 
you don't even want to hear anyone else's opinion how valid it is like once you've, <laughs> once you've, you've pinned your flag to the and, mast you're like yeah. oh, i'm not fucking budging one little bit but <laughs> i think a few people your, are your yeah hole. i think a few people are now with all uh, the shenanigans of the government being caught out and stuff there's a few people turning heads um a little bit and starting to realize but That's yeah I think, I think a lot i think yeah i think a lot of people <laughs> have been guilty over the last couple of years me included yeah i think like once you've dug your hole then that's it. You can't ever come out, can you? You know, yeah, it's, it's an ego thing, isn't it? As well, it totally is. And it's like, can we not just listen? I, I've started, and I think this is a thing, but I don't know. You might know. Is it a Zen thing called the middle path, where there's always a middle path between anything, and um, just try and bed the middle path, <laughs> listen to both sides of the arguments. I'm a Libra, and you say I listen to them balance. I'm balanced. <laughs> Compared to all of humanity, you know virtually nothing. <laughs> like, the <laughs> yes. amount of experience of humanity in the world, you know an absolute fraction of that. So how can you um, so always assume someone else knows more than you because they, because they will about some subject? And like Paul Check says, we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. We should listen more than we talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that one. Um, so yeah, it's uh, like, so yeah, that's... That one, I think, is a good one. Just we'll keep that one short, eh? Have a conversation with people and assume that they know something that you don't. Yeah, and it's interesting. I listened to a podcast recently with um, a guy called David Goggins. He's a very motivational guy at the moment. Anyway, but he was saying it's it takes a it takes a big person to admit that they were wrong, but mm. it takes a bigger person to go back and admit that they lied as well. That's that challenges your ego, doesn't it? I never thought about that before. Yeah. We, I don't care who you are, we've all told a lie, whether it was a big lie, a little lie, a white lie, something that you, you thought it was a white lie because it was going to be good for the person involved. We've all lied. And to go back and admit that you lied, it takes a big person to do that because there's something difficult about that, isn't there? There is, yeah. Mm. But it's something that, that can really heal a lot of trauma, I would imagine, as well. I was going to say, there's a lot of trauma linked around that. And... Um, in our training we were doing the other night and it was like accept all parts of yourself because there are parts that you won't want other people to know about mm -hmm. or things you've done but and those are the parts that get suppressed and eat yeah, away shame, shame guilt vulnerability yeah. yeah and those are the parts that you need to send love to and accept and you know that's part of you it's part of what made you what you are today so yeah, and other people, because we're all we're all the same, other people have that as well. So if you think someone's an arsehole or they're always angry or miserable or they're not nice to be around, like you never know what that person might have gone through, what type of day they've had. They might have so much guilt and shame. Do you know, again, trying not to be, it's, it's hard to think that on a day-to-day -day basis when we get caught up in life, but everyone has a backstory and it, it might not be as um, surface level as you think. They might be going through some shit, so give people a break as well. Exactly. Exactly. I've got a little quote. This is what the, what he says about the, the priestess of the Delphic Oracle in ancient Greece spoke most highly of Socrates, who always sought the truth. She described him as the wisest living man because he knew that what he knew was nothing. The more you know, the more you realise you don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. It's like when you first start teaching, like, I don't know, you'll have done this as well, when you first get a little bit of knowledge around anatomy and nutrition and the human body, you think you can cure the world, don't you? You, think, like, <laughs> yeah. the answer, you know the answer to everything. Uh, and then as you get more and more qualified and you more and more experienced, you suddenly start thinking, hmm, what if? Mm, 
well like people ask you what how do how do i fix my shoulder or something and then you're like well it depends <laughs> whereas oh, once upon God, a time yeah. you'd have just gone right you need to do this 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 and this and uh being dead confident in, in your knowledge and then as you get more experience you're like well you mm, <laughs> need to know more information i can't really tell you that <laughs> yeah that's what <laughs> when uh we joined the czech institute that's why i remember learning from from Paul and um, Matt Walden and Lee Brandon and uh, Warren Williams, the level of depth of knowledge and dedication and and wisdom around the body was so deep and profound. It was almost overwhelming thinking how, like, that's the, these are people who've dedicated themselves to a task of such a complex, you know, yeah. a complex topic like like humans and human nature. And to, and to be expert at it, it's, it's just like they had all my respects for some of the stuff they do. Because like you said- I'm some... still learning it now. Like oh it's... God, yeah. Like you say, my shoulder certain. Well, yeah, originally you just think, oh, well, you must have a shoulder injury. But then you think, oh, well, is your liver backed up? Um, <laughs> let's let's look at past traumas. Um, how was your relationship with your father? And it's like, whoa. Like that is your is heart just... chakra okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's- and until you some and it also almost takes that you have to see it to believe it because then you see them do some energy work or something you're like i thought the shoulder like the the <laughs> knee bone was connected to the ankle bone and the ankle yeah, was connected not, to no, the toe bone just, it's not just yeah. about the pain in your body is it it could be in <laughs> no, the exactly. psyche it could be anywhere so yeah, yeah it's interesting isn't it um right Next are we on rule? rule number 10 yeah rule 10 be precise in your speech so I didn't get a lot of notes from this. It didn't jump out to <laughs> me. So my, my definition was really was really define things. Yeah. So it's particularly to help solve problems. Yeah. Be precise. Don't speak carelessly. I think what you're saying is like, if you go to the doctors and say, doctor, I've got a pain. And the doctor will be like, well, where is the pain? <laughs> you, you've got to yeah. be precise. And then you'll get more out of life, the more precise you are. So it's more like around about the meaning of life, like be precise about what you want. Mm. and speak precisely don't speak carelessly and that precision specifies that's what i got from it that the more precise you are the more specific you're being about what you want in life be a sniper as opposed to a carpet bomber oh good one yeah this one kind of it overlaps a bit on like again the live a meaningful life and tell the truth i found that was like a few overlaps in that one so I don't know, read it. I mean, listeners, if you if you read the book, you can probably draw your own conclusions from it. But that's what I found the, the the most the biggest thing for me is yeah, just define things, particularly when problem solving, like be as precise mm. as you can, yeah. Especially around relationships and stuff, because we can all be airy fairy, but try and be as yeah. precise as you can. It's just about communication, isn't it, really? Yeah, should you number eleven? Yeah, number eleven. I like this one. Do not bother children when they are skateboarding. <laughs> so this one like <laughs> i like the fact that like the book is so deep and profound but some of the <laughs> some of the titles of the ch of the chapters are like oversimplified and like yeah. weird analogies but that, that's what makes it good i like this one this is more about like letting boys be boys and taking risks you know how i was saying last time like we don't take risks anymore so that's why extreme sports has happened it's like boys have an innate need to be boys <laughs> yeah to play and be rough and figure uh -huh. out where the boundaries are like yeah yeah you, you only learn how fast you can go on your bike until you fall off like exactly you only, you only realize once you fell off and then you might think well that's the boundary <laughs> and he's saying like it like we've made women so strong and uh, if you want if if strong women exist they need strong men so by mm. us 
making boys be more agreeable, less aggressive and um, like kind of not allowing them to get that aggression out then in, in play, obviously not like fighting each other and but mm. boys do that as well, don't they? So um, we're subduing their natural tendencies. Therefore, as women, as we promoting and, and encouraging women to get stronger and be more, um, be more aggressive in, in words. We're trying to get women to be more aggressive, yet we're not allowing men to do the same. So if you're going to have strong women, you've got to have strong men. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I, I think this rule probably kind of speaks to the kind of younger man generation more, mm. I would say. The biggest things I took away was like, yeah, it's just like you said, like don't coddle your children. That pain of failure is important. JP says kids must voluntarily expose themselves to risk. You can't mm-hmm. win by trying not to lose. Yeah. That's I like this like, thing. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's about equality mm. on both sides though. And by bringing up a, a, one side to be equal to the other side, it's subduing the other side to yeah, come the, down. The, yeah. The, the two sides exist for a reason. Yeah. Men are men for a reason and, and women uh, are womanly for a reason. And and like, if you, if you try and suppress that, you lose the, in my mind, you, you lose the good and the and the negative side of that flourishes. You know what I mean? It's the world would be a, a better place if we just let nature do as intended. It yeah. doesn't like, but I think the whole um, equality thing. It's it's trying to stereotype the the chauvinistical male approach, but that's that's not a real man, is it? Yeah, no. A, a real man should be a leader and a provider. Yeah, um, exactly. And, there's a, a lot of a lot of like recent psychological books and things which talk about the the lack of initiation ceremony for young men these days. That's a big problem. Um, yeah. In before we became a Western society, like tribes and and things still do this. When men get to eighteen and they're going to be an adult, they have an initiation ceremony. They would have to you know do a um, initiation dance for like four days without sleep or water, or they would go into the woods and live there for a week, or they would they would have an initiation ceremony and that's mm-hmm. like the border, right? You are now a man, you are a provider. This is your status in the tribe. Um, it's a little bit different for women because during um, during puberty, they start then having more physical symptoms. The fact that they're a woman, they can now bear a child. So I think in my mind, this chapter was more aimed at kind of young men. No, I like this chapter. I thought it, get, it argues it well, I think, that you can't just... Mm eradicate the natural tendencies of a gender for yeah. equality and that's where you got you got attacked from the the lgb i always get it wrong q t plus society <laughs> careful <laughs> we'll get banned yeah. off spotify yeah um <laughs> they were attacking him trying to make him seem out as if he was i think in their mind he, he wanted the stereotypical chauvinistic male to thrive in a, what's like a male yeah. dominated world but that, that's not the case at all no, um, no. And another some... thing, sorry, really well, quick, was just the fact that, um, again, going back to the like the title, do not bother your children while they're skateboarding. Again, it's like, don't coddle your kids. Don't do everything for them. Let them learn themselves. Wrap them up in cotton wool, yeah. yeah. And he, he says, do not do anything for anyone they can do for themselves. You rob them of the learning experience and you become... <laughs> I if need you do to it tell for, my if, boys that if, for the washing up. Yeah, if you do it for yourself... You become stronger and you appreciate what you have. It's like if it's like when lottery winners get the money and they blow it all within a couple of years. But if you earn it for yourself, you know what it takes to earn it. Yeah. So that's like I think you spoke about in the one of the rules in nursing homes is don't do anything for an elderly person 
that they can do for themselves because they're going to be so much better doing it for themselves and learning and staying strong. If you just do yeah. anything for them, they'll just wither away. And that yeah. was a good analogy, I thought. I'm just going to read a little quote. It has become a tenant of a certain kind of social constructionist theory that the world would be much improved if boys were socialised like girls. Those who put forward such theories assume, first, that aggression is a learned behaviour and can therefore simply not be taught, and second, to take a particular example, that boys should be socialised the way that girls have been traditionally socialised, and they should be encouraged to develop socially positive qualities such as tenderness, sensitivity to feelings, nurturance, cooperation and aesthetic appreciation. In the opinions of such thinkers, aggression will only be reduced when male adolescents and young adults subscribe to the same standards of behaviour that have been traditionally encouraged for women. There are so many things wrong with this idea that it's difficult to know where to start. First, it's not the case that aggression is merely learned. Aggression is there at the beginning. Yeah, and he said, then goes on to say that most of the women, the female clients that he deals with, with problems, are not because they're too aggressive. It's because they don't have enough aggression. Mm. Again, it goes back to nature. Back when we were, were a simpler species, if you went to kill a woolly mammoth, you need aggression. If another yeah. tribe is going to come and, you know, rape and pillage your, your tribe, you need aggression to fight them off. And what Jordan Peterson says is, a good man is not just a kind man. A good man is one who is capable of extreme aggression, but he willingly foregoes it. Mm-hmm. And that's true in society these days. We don't really have the chance to be massively aggressive and we don't need to be. We can be more political about things. But a good man is someone who is capable of extreme violence, but he willingly chooses not to. And that's, yeah. I think that's true of a, like a, his definition of a man. And I found that interesting, yeah. And he talks about being over-agreeable. And <laughs> like this just like with society right now. Agreeable, compassionate, empathetic, conflict-averse people let people walk on them and they get bitter. They sacrifice themselves for others, sometimes excessively, and cannot comprehend why it is not reciprocated. Agreeable people are compliant and this robs them of their independence. Your yes has no power till you learn to say no. Say no. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And it's just like, you can just, it's like, you can see it, can't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So let boys be boys. Strong women need strong men. Yeah. I think, I think let boys be boys would have actually been a good, <laughs> a better title than don't bother your kids while they skateboard. This is another quote. If they're healthy, women don't want boys. They want men. They want someone to contend with, someone to grapple with. If they're tough, they want someone tougher. If they're smart, they want someone smarter. They desire someone who brings to the table something that they can't already provide. Mm, yeah, that's good. That is good. So boys need to be lifted up, not suppressed. Yeah. Okay, so that moves on to our final rule. Pet a cat when you encounter one on the street. <laughs> again, another <laughs> strange, strange title. Um, again, Dogs my... are okay too, he says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My quick analogy for this is, um, again... Like you said it's so prevalent in society today. It's like there's so much bad news around. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's how news gets viewings because it's inbuilt in human nature to be aware of threats and to be always on the alert. But a lot of it's just kind of constructed and there and there to keep us in fear and keep us uh, keep us governed. So Jordan Pete says 
try and stop all the bad news and just smell the roses now and again, be present. You know, for all that life is, it's not equal. It can be very unfair. It can be harsh. It's, you might struggle to find meaning, but you're still here. You're still alive. And the chances of you even being a human being are so slim, you know, be present. And just every now and again, when you see your cat on the street, pet it because, you know, you're a human, you're alive. Yeah, it's just about taking little breaks away. I think he talks he talks a lot about in this chapter about his daughter who had um, serious rheumatoid arthritis and had to get a lot of joints. Uh, joints were disintegrating and whatnot, so she had to have a lot of operations. And he was saying that you can get caught in that spiral of, um, especially when you've got a, a long-term serious illness, that spiral of ruminating about thinking about it thinking of what the future is going to be like thinking about the next treatment da, 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 da. and it, it says it's that's not good for anyone you should set time aside for thinking about the bad stuff but equally set time aside for thinking about the good stuff as well and, and seeing a cat in the street is just like a reminder that you should pet a cat and your life will be a little bit better just to take time out every day yeah absolutely and like you said there when uh, his daughter wasn't very well. I think he wasn't very well either. And his his wife has suffered with illness. And we probably all had periods in our life where you just you can't stop thinking about the negative. Mm. And then even to think about something positive, even if you just said, right, I'm just going to give myself an hour and I'm going to do something which is fun. It's going to take my mind off it. And then once that hour's done, I can go back to worrying about you know this chaos. But often we we almost feel guilty for even thinking happy thoughts when. I know, for instance, if a family member is not very well, mm. you feel guilty for being happy because you think they're in such a miserable place. Mm-hmm. But, but you being in a miserable place 24-7 is not doing them any good, but it's sometimes hard to say that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's like you get sucked into into it all as well. And it's just mm. like, just trying to take some time out for yourself every day. What do you call it? Pause, breathing pauses or something. You had a good name for it. Mm. I can't remember. No. Was it me? I'm sure it was me. It was, it was you, but I think you nicked it from Paul Check and then I nicked it off you. It was like taking pauses during the day. Oh, I can't remember. You know, when when I used to work in an office, right, and people smoked, it used to really annoy me because they'd have like ev- like every couple of hours, they'd go out for 15 minutes and they'd all like ring around each other, go and go out for a fag. That's a fair, sir. I know. And I'd be sitting there going, oh, I'd quite like to go out, but because you don't have smoke. A, have a Tai Chi but- break. Yeah, I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to smoke a fag or stand stand in their air, but um just to get some fresh air would be quite nice. It would be more productive pr- productive as a workplace if you everyone went out and did some tai chi or did some exercise. Mm. There's places in Asia where even on building sites and before they start the day's work, they do qigong and tai chi, don't they? And yeah. prepare themselves before they start work. I remember going to our office in Manchester and it just this is not relevant, but I used to overlook the set of Coronation Street. Um, anyway, there used to be a guy who every day would go and do Tai Chi in the middle of the like it was like a big square thing with a um, like grass in the middle of it, and he'd oh, go and cool, stand yeah. on the grass and do Tai Chi every day. And everyone used to look out and watch him, yeah, <laughs> not yeah. join in, but just watch him. Uh, it's even therapeutic watching someone do it. Um, yeah, I remember when I went to went to Everest, we were getting a like a small little charter flight up to the mountains and it was like a boiling hot day and the, the flight kept getting cancelled and cancelled and we were there like in our full hiking gear in about 30 odd degrees it was so stressful <laughs> um like about 500 people all waiting with about like 10 flights all backlogged and then there was this old asian woman very stereotypical i would say 
and she was just there on the grass, bare feet, just doing Tai Chi for about an hour. And you just thought she's in such a Zen place compared to the other 499 <laughs> people who are like just so stressed yeah, out just now. Just stressing out and sweating. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was good to see. Uh, yeah, so those are our 12 reels, Dan. I think that would give, if you followed all 12 reels, you'd have a pretty good life. Yeah, it's it's a really good book. And he's got a follow-up book as well. Is it another another 12 rules? Um, oh, is it? Yeah, there's probably going to be some some strange named titles in there as well, like, you know, feed a horse when you see it in the field or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Watch yeah, it's, it's, I can really, um, I can't I recommend it highly enough on a purely practical note. I bought the book for £4 on Amazon, so there we go. <laughs> Bargain. It's, it's worth a punt, yeah. <laughs> Right then, gang, thanks for listening. Um, as always, we're now back, so we're going to be doing one every week. So please um, like, share, pass the pod, do all the stuff. We're on all of the main channels. We're still on Spotify as of the moment. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, we'll see you all soon. Yeah, thanks for listening. See you soon. Bye.